0: FOREVER! DOG! They write,
1: they talk, and talk about what they write. Tune in tonight, tonight or whenever the time is right. It's the Writer's Panel with Ben Blacker, and it's starting now! Oh
2: yeah! Alright, that's it. This is how a podcast starts. Thank you all for being here. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking to all of you, so, so this should be good. Uh, I'm going to ask you all to introduce yourselves on the microphone so the listener knows what you sound like, and tell us a couple places they may have seen your name on their television screen. And Jim, let's start with you.
0: Uh, my name is Jim Barnes. Uh, I'm currently writing on The Walking Dead. Um, I've been on shows like Timeless and Falling Skies and uh, Revolution.
2: Great. Thanks. And Janet.
1: Um, uh, my name is Janet Lynn and I have recently been on, I was on Bridgerton um, and Cursed and Orville and Bones is where I got my start. <laughs> so if you watch any Bones for five seasons, I was there, Oh wow! Um, but <laughs> I'm doing mostly development now.
2: Gotcha. And Jordan.
3: Uh, my name is Jordan Bloom. Uh, I'm currently, uh, we're finishing up season one of, of Marvel's MODOK for Hulu. And I've written for American Dad and Community.
2: Great, thank you. Um, there's a lot to talk about. You all have worked on like varied and interesting shows. Um, and I want to kick off by talking about Modoc uh, Jordan. It's so weird. Um, tell us a little bit about um, the the process for getting this on the air like did they come to you did you pitch on this you and you and, it's created by you and Patton um how did this come to be and then we'll sort of talk about launching the first season uh, in a little sure. bit
3: sure well when I was on American Dad uh, I had co-created a show with the the showrunner when I was an assistant and we had sold it to Fox and before actually we sold it uh we were thinking about who would be the lead in this and I've been like a Patton Oswalt fan for years. And, uh, so we, we, we brought him in and kind of pitched him the show and he came on board and he came into Fox and, and we sold it. And, uh, so we had, we did a full presentation together and this friendship was sort of born out of being huge nerds, uh, specifically comic book nerds. And, uh, so we, you know, the, the show ended up not going at Fox and, but a friendship was kind of built out of it. And we, we would run into each other at, at golden apple and uh, Hollywood, our favorite comic store and, and uh, kind of kept in touch. And uh, I eventually got staffed on American dad and worked there for a little bit. And uh, the same exec who I developed that, that show with that pilot uh, went over to Marvel. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, we, we've got to have a meeting. I have so many things to pitch you. And they had a few uh, IP kind of characters that they were interested in. And, and I, kind of came at them with, with MODOK, who for those who don't know is kind of a, a he's a supervillain. He's a, a giant floating head with little baby arms who wants to take over the world. And uh, is, is this egomaniac who has his own evil organization. And uh, so I pitched them kind of a, a show based on that, just, just the, the beginnings of the idea. And I realized like, oh my God, I should get Pat involved in this. So I brought him just kind of the germ of the idea and we developed the whole show together. And uh, brought it back into Marvel and pitched it and sold it in the room and and wow. kind of went from there.
2: That's crazy. I mean, how much of that? I'm, I, I mean, okay, let's let's go back for a second. Like <laughs> the germ of that idea, what do you even pitch for this show? I guess
3: for me, it was um, there's this huge, insane, crazy character, this this amazing Jack Kirby design. He he's very arch. He's you know he's he's kind of not one note in the comics, but he's very driven by this one this this idea of of conquering the world, reshaping it in his image. And I always loved those kinds of big Doctor Doom like characters, you know, who have like tunnel vision, who who are these egomaniacs who are kind of brought down by by their own hubris. And the idea of like where do these guys go at night, you know, like what. (laughs) after this after he leaves this Captain America panel or Iron Man panel like where does this guy go so <laughs> to me it was really funny that you know what if this guy goes to New Jersey and he has a family and and he has and he's kind of dealing with that and and from that we we built up this show of this is a super villain who for years has kind of failed at defeating Iron Man and, and got his, his ass handed to him and and he has this Organization of of mad scientists and they're building you know black hole guns and this and that but there's like an overhead with that and it, you know after years of failure he's run this place into the ground the doors are about to close and this Google organization kind of swoops in and is like look you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll buy you guys we'll save you uh, if if you just deliver us a, a tablet by Christmas like keep trying to kill Iron Man do your thing we're not going to interfere we're very hands off but you know, just, just, you guys are brilliant. Just give us some tech. So Modoc takes him up on that. And of course it's, you know, the opposite where suddenly he has to answer to a board and HR and he's in this corporate setting, this kind of Silicon Valley uh, tech company that's now taken over his. So we, out of that was kind of born this idea of like, what if we did a show about a, a super villain who is a control freak who loses control of his company and kind of while that's going on, he's been neglecting his family and his wife asked for a separation and suddenly you have this guy who's, who's so sure of himself and his, his abilities to conquer the world that he loses everything in the pilot and has to kind of rebuild and, and figure out who he's going to be and what he kind of wants in life. And, and you know, the idea of, of rethinking your life in your late 40s when you lose your career and your family was a really fun place to start a
0: character who's a supervillain. <laughs>
2: before we move on i just wanted to ask one other um follow-up on something you had said is that you know you had gone gone into meet basically uh, in a general at marvel with this producer who I already knew um were they at the time already looking for more comedy stuff were they already launching these animated shows
3: yes uh the exec was, was grant gish who i i absolutely love working oh with. yeah um, he's great and he was yeah he was at fox so they had brought him in to kind of expand comedy at Marvel. Uh, and they, like I said, they had kind of characters they were looking to, to do, but they were very open to the idea of MODOK. And, uh, you know, everyone there was very well-versed in, in Marvel. So they got it <laughs> immediately and saw the, the comedy built into the character and, you know, liked the idea of, of, of building a world around that part of the Marvel universe that we don't get to see this kind of mundane, uh, kind of bureaucracy at this evil organization and, and this family life at home. So, uh, they, they, yeah, they were, they were all cool. great. Great.
2: Cool. Um, all right. Well, we'll pick up and we'll talk a little bit about uh, the first season. But, um, Janet, speaking of first seasons, um, mm-hmm. we gotta talk about Bridgerton. Oh, god. <laughs> <laughs> um, people are bonkers for this show. Uh Um, tell us a little bit about being a part of this first season and putting the show together. What, um, what story was already there? How was the room used? Was the room used?
1: The room was definitely used. I mean, we had some amazing writers there, I would say Um, it was uh, I guess Shonda read the whole like eight series book and just like loved it and knew that it would be right for like, I mean, it's weird because I had worked on like Warville before that, which was like a very, very male-centric sort of show, and this was like all women. I think we had one like token guy in the room, um, and it was um, it was it was mostly delightful. It was it was tough because it was a first-year show, and and it was um, I don't know I don't know how much I should say. <laughs> it, was, it was a tough it was tough dealing with like Ashland a tough place to be, mm-hmm. um, and we wrote most of the scripts together. Um, oh really? Yeah.
2: So I think we, yeah, yeah, I think we had another writer, um, which you know is not not a sign of anything uh, about the show. That's that's done quite a bit on various shows. Um, but this was Definitely. Shondaland's Was this the first out of the gate on Netflix for her?
1: Yeah, it was first out the gate, and I think she was. Uh, I mean, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but I think she was really nervous about it because it was like the first. It's very very. It was a very very expensive show for Netflix, hmm. and um, it was a. It was a pretty long room. There were a lot of writers in there. There was just, you know, a lot of wandering around in the desert for a long time.
2: <laughs> That's but, so interesting. I mean, <laughs> you had the source material, right? So, what were what were the joys of that first season? What was the <laughs> What was the good part, like, of putting the show together?
1: Uh, I think it's just. I mean the purpose of that show is, is to entertain, which is like a joy because there's so many shows where you go in and you know that you're going to be writing something very difficult and you're going to be mining emotional depth. And there is emotional depth here, but it is supposed to be a joyful experience. And I think that that comes across and the book is very, very fun. Like, you know, I read all eight books and I wouldn't say it's, it's like high literature, but it's like trashy delight. And, um, <laughs> and, and, you know, in our writer's room, our conversations would be like, you know, oh gosh, talking about, <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't say any of this on podcast, but like talking about like whether we're going to show like, you know, wh- how much sex we're going to show. We were just talking about positions and, and, you know, it was, it was great fun. <laughs> it's not like any room that you've ever been in, you know?
0: It's so funny. Um,
2: so I don't know. I think that you got that on the, uh, on the timeless room, right, Jim?
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, talks, like, a different, um, clothing to wear in
1: different time travel uh, <laughs> but
2: like talking about beautiful men and, and you know <laughs> how much
1: you're gonna sh- how much but you're gonna show it's it's delightful
2: <laughs> but and it seems like I mean this is the stuff that the audience responds to like they seem Clearly. like they had as much fun digging into the the saucy world that you all did and and like there's there's a sort of awareness of what this material is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wonder like, were there conversations about walking that line?
1: Um, Definitely, definitely. Like um, there is, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have watched it, but there is like a particular moment in the, in the narrative that's uh, that was very, you know, talked about because it was uh, um, about consent, about Mm -hmm. a man's consent um, sexually and, we had a lot of conversation about that and, you know um, we had to really walk the line also with um, racial characters. Um, You know, we talked about it originally um, you know, they were all white characters and, you know, bringing in race in a respectful way um, and then deciding to do colorblind casting later, all of these things, you know, were all in conversation um, with how we were going to develop the story. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it was, it was really, really interesting. I would say it was a also, very very difficult.
2: I mean, like yeah, difficult, no
1: it it belied like the 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 fun of the, <laughs> the fun of the show. <laughs> it was much more difficult than it seemed.
2: Interesting. I mean, and, and it's impressive that you get something so sort of light and fun coming out of it. You know, um, and that's that's great. That's that's what the people wanted. Um, Jim, I want to talk about. You know, we've talked about launching a show. You're now in the final season of The Walking Dead, um, and you you when did you join? A couple seasons ago. I joined during season ten. Okay, so was the end in sight at that point? And I'm just curious about like the conversations going around, um, bringing this ship in for a landing.
0: No, I not when I started because when I started, hmm. the comic was still going, so we didn't oh, wow. know. anything. like we were on the whisper award when I came in, and we knew we were going to go and do where we're going right now, which is towards the Commonwealth storyline, but was it 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 was late into season 10 when uh robert kirkman decided to just end the book on like issue and we were we didn't know like we got that was so cool by the way (laughs) (laughs) we were just like oh i guess that's it um but then there was a lot of discussion of you know does it go on beyond that and um uh tons of different iterations that came out of it but uh then the pandemic happened and then it was uh pretty evident that they were going to end it on season 11. um but the pandemic kind of threw everything out of mm. whack I, I don't know if you guys know what the six bonus episodes that are airing like they extended season 10. so that's airing to bridge we'd, we'd already started 11 when that happens so then we had to kind of go back and like there were a lot of things that we were able to set up great um just in doing those bonus episodes but um yeah now they're talking about um there's an anthology series that's coming out that that sounds like really cool and there's a daryl carroll spinoff where they're gonna have adventures afterwards there's a bunch of other stuff that's um being discussed right now
2: yeah i mean it is you know this is a huge property for amc and for you know kirkman and everyone. I'm curious to hear a little bit about like walking into that. I mean, you've worked on, you worked on some like Gotham must have been a similar sort of situation. Um, what do you see as like your role as the new guy on staff there? Um,
0: honestly, you know, when I went into Angela Kang's office, it was just, you know, kindred spirits. she got, she's got Star Wars all <laughs> over her. She's got a replica face hugger from Greg Nicotero. And so we just, we literally just talked about Star Wars for 40 minutes and told her why I love the show. I was a fan since issue one. Uh, that was like 2004. Uh, and I, I think she was looking for people to just bring that, uh, that, trying trying to come up with it's interesting it, I, this show is kind of a, an extended cut of the comic books you get to explore different characters in different ways and and uh, uh and just kind of generate cool set pieces cool drop but cool like emotionally rooted drama like at the forefront like the i don't know but you can have the Coolest action set piece of all time, but if it's not servicing character, what does it mean? It falls flat and you have, you know, uh, old Kung, Kung Fu flicks. You know, there's no like, there's no, <laughs> it has to be like emotional habit behind it. So I think that that's something that she prioritizes uh, in her storytelling, but, um, you know, just trying to figure out ways to service the story and be honest to the characters in the comic book while exploring different facets of their uh, characters, while also being scary and, you know, <laughs> throws out walker kills and all that fun stuff, too.
1: Yeah.
3: That's it. Ben, am I allowed to ask a question as a Walking
1: Dead fan? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. Are.
3: So uh, how far in advance were you guys given notice about the end of the comic? Because the thing that Kirkman did I thought was so genius about the the release of the comic right was that when in comics you solicit them three months out or so you know like people are ordering issues that haven't come out yet so he had solicited it way past the last issue so people Mm -hmm. were completely shocked when the last issue showed up because they thought they had read that more were coming out and it was a huge surprise so was that how was that on the staff i guess
0: we we found out on deadline i mean we didn't know Oh my god we had no idea (laughs) there was no warning it was just i remember we walked into the office and angela was like so on your desks you're gonna find an issue we had no idea and then uh i know she had some conversations with kirk about uh uh you know there, there are things that he set up in that ending i think really uh smartly that um a lot would allow for branching off points, but at, at that point we didn't know that there was, we didn't know that 11 was going to be the last season. We had no, we had no idea. Short answer. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. Bonkers. We were bonkers. But but yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all good.
3: Ball, baller move by Kirkman, by the way. Just, just yeah, Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Who's in control? <laughs>
0: wow. Right. No, that's a power move. It's
1: just like, yeah.
2: <laughs> Jordan, do you want to announce the end of MODOK right now? Uh,
3: <laughs> the, la- the last issue is the last episode.
2: Uh, Actually, we should, uh, before we move on, we should talk about the comic book uh, for a sec. Um, you've been doing this four-issue modoc comic uh, for Marvel. Is it four issues?
3: Yeah, four issues, yeah. Uh,
2: and I think by the time this comes out, people can pick up all four of them. Um, do you want to talk about that? Just like does it tie in? How did you get involved with that? Um, what kind of a story are you able to tell there that you couldn't do on TV or vice versa?
3: Sure. Uh, we had, we had finished the show or at least had wrapped the writer's room. So the scripts were locked and Marvel approached Pat and I about doing, uh, some sort of comic that they could put out when, when the show came out or lead up to it. Uh, and we had no interest at all of adapting our show. We had, we had, because our show is, you know, obviously a much more comedic satirical take on the character and we liked the idea that we could we could maybe, you know, do the more serious, more more arch, more, you know, kind of capable villain that is in the in the Marvel comics. So, we were talking a lot about how different the two were and that kind of created this meta narrative of what the comic became, which is that we pick up with the comic book Modok who is has no family, you know. Is much more serious. Is much more driven. Much more about about conquering the world and and you know fighting these superheroes. And suddenly he has memories of a life in the suburbs with these characters that are from our show. And it's driving him insane because it doesn't make sense in the Marvel comics. It 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 feels like someone's tampering with him. He's got this computer brain, so you know there's a, a chance that someone is is manipulating him. So it kind of sets off our our mystery, which is this doesn't compute with who I am. Where did these come from? What are these? And we built the comic around that where it's, it's Modok's kind of journey through his comic book history to figure out, you know, w- where these things fit in. Why are, why is he remembering these, these memories and, um, and kind of trying to make, make sense of it all because, you know, there it's a very different take on the character. So it was kind of a fun thing because the character of Modok is, is very flexible. He's, he's, a lot like Batman, where you can have uh, the Adam it's West- the first
2: time that's ever been said.
3: <laughs> I'll go to bat for that. Uh,
1: he's,
3: you know, like Batman can be Adam West. It can yeah. be Christopher Nolan. It can be Frank Miller. It can be a Saturday morning cartoon, but you never lose the essence of the character. And I think MODOK actually works that way where he could be a very serious villain or he can be very comedic. He can be kind of a foil for characters like Gwenpool or, or Captain America, so we love the idea that it all counts. It's this very Grant Morrison writing style that, you know, <laughs> these characters have, you know, 60, 70 years of history. They're, they're inconsistent, maybe. But what if it all was part of one story? And we like that idea of, of kind of going through his history and saying, well, this is a character who is part computer brain. He's been killed, rebooted. There's different versions of him. You know, that's why he is, he's maybe a little different every time you see him. But now he has these memories of something that just doesn't make sense to him. So he's, he's trying to track that down and figure out why this is happening to him. And that was kind of the, the basis of the mystery for the comic.
2: I mean, you, you mentioned something interesting here, and it's, it's um, akin to what Jim was saying with the Watton Dead characters who like, they are their characters from the comics but you have this opportunity to explore other facets of them um and and you know like janet like looking at the the stuff that you've worked on between bridgerton and cursed um and even the orville which you know it's not based on anything but come on um you know you're Where's the freedom to explore how much are you beholden to the source material? Are there conversations about that in these writers' rooms? Um, and are you do you feel like you're given the freedom to explore these characters outside of their original medium?
1: I, oh I'm sorry, it's a question for me. <laughs> I actually I think that particularly in Bridgerton, um, because the source material is so so delightful, like we all coming into the room uh, like assumed that it was going to be the book like we're just going to translate the book and it was amazing how like I mean I think Shonda and our our showrunner Chris Van Dusen really like threw it out they were like forget it Mm -hmm. like this is Gossip Girl like we're doing a (laughs) murder take on this we're doing like whatever the hell we want um and and I think that it really elevated the material um so yeah I I find that like as a I mean as writers like we're all like very respectful of like source material because we are writers. So like when I get some like when I get a book, I'm always like, so this is what we're going to put on the screen. But um I'm I'm becoming more and more in development and you know watching projects develop, I'm like, oh my God, no, this is just a jumping off point. We're going to make this like our own thing, which is, I mean, just hearing Jordan talk about it, I'm like, my my jaw is on the ground. Like this is so exciting to see. Um, well, let's really let's cool.
2: talk about, yeah, let's talk about it a little bit for, for all of you um, in development, you know, everyone, basically you're, you got to bring IP, right? Um, that's what, that's what everyone's looking for. So we're looking for books and comics and whatever other movies to, Uh, pitch our versions of. Um, Tell me a little bit about your experiences in walking that line and like giving your take while still being um, faithful to the spirit of the original, I guess, um, and and negotiating that with the entity to whom you're pitching. And I ask this for personal reasons.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I, I can start with, with, with MODOK. I think there's something very freeing in, in adapting a character that maybe doesn't have, you know, as many stories or as much continuity or, or even a fan base where, you know, we could put our own spin on him and, and we wouldn't be doing him wrong versus like, if you're given Spider-Man, it's like, you got to get J. Jonah Jameson, right. Right. You got to get the deal with Google. You got to get MA. Like there's so many things that people hold up on pedestals. That if you, if you fail those things, you know, you, you've broken the IP versus I really like the things that maybe don't have as much of a following mm-hmm. that are, you know, like you said, are jumping off points where mm-hmm. you can you can build it into something new or something different. And I kind of go after, even in, in the comic realm, obviously I've been invited to, to pitch on other comic book properties, things that maybe are a little less known or maybe are considered D-list, you know, or, or B-list. Which to me is like, oh my God, that means I can do my thing versus servicing fandom in a way that that can be crushing, you know?
2: But that also becomes a harder sell, right? Because they are C-list and D-list characters or properties.
3: Right. You have to have the right pitch. You have to have the right take where like this is universal. People can relate to this. This transcends comic books or wherever this was born. And I think finding that human hook to these things that are maybe overlooked is, is the mm-hmm. fun for me of finding these
2: characters. That's a great way to think of it. Um, Jim, uh, thinking about something like um, Gotham, like were there nerds in that room saying that's not my scarecrow or whoever? Were there, uh, sorry,
0: were there, I, were, were
2: there- Were there writers in that room going like, that? the scarecrow wouldn't do that?
0: Uh, Yeah, but I think that uh, (laughs) they, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I I think that, (laughs) you know, there are a lot of different interpretations of Batman out there. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, part of the thing that was interesting was I just, I remember that I think Suicide Squad had come out when we were on the show and there were certain characters that were off limits because of that, which was mm. interesting. Um, uh, there were certain parameters that you had to sort of guardrails that you definitely couldn't bounce in and out of. Like it, 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 was weird. It, it varied from character to character. Um, but it def, DC was definitely involved. And, uh, you know, we couldn't use the Joker, for example. So this proto-joker character was formed, which is basically the Joker. It was so like, why not just do it? I don't understand there how many different Joker variations are there? Why I don't know why it was off limit for yeah. Gotham, why they had to like jump through all these hoops, but um yeah, it, it's with IP, it's it's interesting, uh, uh, big IP the the, the con- not constraints, guardrails, I use that nice word, mm-hmm. guardrails, <laughs> the way I stay within. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, as far as like on the development side, I've just found that it's, I don't know if you guys find that, find this in your room, like it, it's it's difficult to show people the TV in your head <laughs> it's, like sometimes it's difficult to art. It's like if you could just see what I see, you would get <laughs> totally. it. Totally, great. And it, it's it's you know it's it's kind of an art form to like kind to figure out how to like how to communicate that in like as little words as possible, I guess, or just as 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 um um intriguing as possible. But I, I just I, when you were talking, I uh, uh, I was just thinking about these two books that I was going out with, and one it was um i you know nailed it with the producer like this is amazing that your adaptation's great this is like this is fantastic whatever and then the other one it was like but where's this scene but where's that scene but where's this but where's this? Oh, it, God. It, it, i honestly think it depends on the producer that you get because i was explaining why things had to be the way that they were and this has happened several times with me and it's just but i but i remember this thing and i remember that then i'm like but that that you can't do that in a movie. Like look at, I'm flashing Drive. If you've ever heard of that book versus that movie, it's very different, you know, Mm -hmm. and just like adaptations. I I, honestly, I think it depends on the producer you get has a lot to do with it. Sure, I
1: mean,
2: yeah, go ahead.
1: I was just gonna ask, what was the last? What was the last movie or, or, or TV show you guys watched that wasn't an I, like, wasn't based on IP? I, it's been a long time. Like it's so exciting when you see something fresh and original, and it's so rare. so rare now, it makes me kind of sad. Um,
3: I forget to come up with original ideas now. You're just like trained <laughs> to be like, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> like feed that's me. all you used to do. is just like, all right, what am I reading? I'll do this. This is good. I want. I like this. I could make this into a show. That's yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs>
1: totally true. Exactly. I still, it's been, I still it's been like,
3: beat out of us. <laughs> still I, I, out of I'm,
1: us. Still, I'm still allowing
0: myself to get, like, I'm still like, what about this original idea? And it's like, oh, yeah, no, but what about this idea? Man? It's just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if
3: you're like a big sci-fi or fantasy person. I feel like that window has closed unless you can really do it cheap. You know, the idea of world building or this or that, like it's gotta be born out of an IP. And I and I, you know, I won't mention which ones, but I found ones that are like, oh, this'll allow me to tell the story I've always Mm -hmm. wanted to tell. You know, and 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 I think that's it's a weird game you have to play a little bit now if you're into Mm -hmm. telling those kinds of stories.
0: Yeah, like I, I have like scenes from a certain genre story, and like, and I'm like, oh, well, if I get this IP, I can kind of move them from one to the, you know what I mean, and start to tell totally. the same tame uh, story of the same thematics. The interesting is I, I've had this conversation with um, a lot of writers, and you know, but if you even look back at like, I don't know, the movies we grew up with, they were based on IP. Like Die Hard's based on a book. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. okay yeah very different at, like it's what's that <laughs> it's very different though, right, like it's, very different, but it's, yeah. it's just it's been going on longer than I think yeah. you realize. yeah,
2: but there's also just, this i mean it's got to be there have to be uh, not diminishing returns, but like diminishing source material, like we're using up all of the. All of the yeah. fuel, right? Like we can't <laughs> we're just keep burning up, it. Right. We can't keep yeah. digging up all of the oil, it'll be gone. Um, well, so I think, I think we're yeah. lucky,
3: though, right? That like mediums like comics, you're encouraged to create new stories and there's yeah. less risk, right? To do a big, a big sci fi story or a big fantasy story because it doesn't cost more to draw it you know it's yeah. it's it, th- right. it's not the same risk that we take where we're like we're asking you a studio a network to invest in this thing we hope we hope it connects it's just like it's a comic this guy will draw it you you guys want to publish it great it's out there <laughs> you know and and I think that's where there's like a lot of freedom and that's why mm-hmm. we're I think a lot of people are flocking to comics to look for IP to adapt because they don't have the same restraints that I think we do in television or film.
2: Yeah, that's true. And then you have this proven concept and there are great, like smaller companies like Aftershock or, or whatever that are publishing even limited series that are getting to tell big stories that, you know, we can then steal.
1: But Absolutely. Do you...
2: <laughs> yeah, Janet, go ahead. I
1: was just going to say, like, even um, I was just offered a, um, offered a piece of IP um, on Friday and it was written by a young author. And it hadn't, it hasn't even been published and they had a bidding war on it. And it was like, Grr! and we, you know, like five pods were just chewing at it. And one pod got it and it got offered to me. And I was just like, it's a very good book. It's a very thoughtful book. But, but I was like, uh, really like yeah. my, <laughs> like, hmm. <laughs> like they, they, they are burning yeah. up all the fuel and it's, it's, it's gotten to a crazy point i don't know
2: yeah
1: it scares it's me it's
3: strange it's strange that it can't come from us it has to yeah come from i know the exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and then, <laughs> it's, then it's viable
1: yeah <laughs> i'm also i'm also i'm working at disney at, on a disney animation project right now a disney feature and it's like it's new it's like completely <laughs> thought up like and it's so exciting <laughs> But I know that in the future it will be like chewed up into TV shows and then made into a ride or whatever. Like it's it's never going to just stage this, sure. which is- I don't
3: uh, know what it is, but I'd like to to option it to do the live action,
2: action. <laughs> <laughs> <think that> <laughs> Yeah, um, Jim, you were going to add something?
0: You guys had people ask you to, you have an original idea and then they ask you to make it something else like a comic book or something, and then you write the comic book, and if you write this many issues, <laughs> then they'll look at it, and then they'll option the IP, but you need to create the IP first because they won't take the idea in the first place. So, like, I,
3: I've heard You're of like that. Like chicken and on I,
1: the I, egg.
0: <laughs> it's
3: That's such a broken process because you. Yeah. Can, I think comic fans can sniff that out when it's yeah. like, oh, this was reverse engineered. Sure. And like, and I don't think it, it will, it will be embraced. I mean, I don't know how much that matters, you know, if the fan base embraces it or if you just can show it, but, you know, I think I've seen a lot of that of people were like, Oh, this was clearly a screenplay that they just kind of shoved yeah. into account. Cause Conley, it's a very different art form. It's very much about, you know, it's actually the reverse where the writer takes the backseat and it's about showcasing the artist and the artist is the director and the artist is the star and you're writing, to the artist's strength, huh. and I've seen a few where it's like, "Oh, this was clearly a screenplay, and it's it's crammed into these mm-hmm, yeah. panels, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's not paced well." And I think there's like a danger to that, where you know you could you could burn that thing off by accident, you know, in a comic because it's not it's not done correctly. You want, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, as a comic fan, I can sn- I can tell when something was either developed right. to be made in this medium. Or was like a frustrated screener. And I've done, I've tried to do the same thing and I threw it out and I was like, this should never
0: be a comic. I'm is- <laughs> with you. I had the same thing. Yeah. I'm just, I, like, just, what am I? Why am I? It's just, and then you put in all those hours doing it and then, and then they're, they're going to say, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's it's a really totally. frustrating, It's it feels like it's all, um, I just flashed on, uh, James Cameron, at the, I think he was at the Egyptian for like the 25th or 30th anniversary of Terminator. And he talked about how Terminator would never be made today because it's so fear-based mm-hmm. and and everybody's operating out of fear and everybody, all, everyone's like kind of cover their own ass and nobody wants to take a chance, um, sucks. I I talk
3: about this all the time. Do you think it's cyclical? Or are we just in the downturn of, of originality? And you think like, we just need that thing. Cause I think, you know, for me growing up in the nineties, I was so inspired, you know, by the, the Sundance crowd and and the auteurs that came out of that and the embrace of that, but that wasn't what it was like before then, you know, like we had, we had turned our back on that after the seventies and the eighties were much more about embracing, you know, kind of commercial stuff. Do you think we can get back to that? Or is there another format for that? You know, uh, is, is it, Somewhere on social media that that will be reborn versus, you know, in the movies or TV. I, I, I'm hopeful that you know, again, things are cyclical, but I don't know because right now it feels like it's play ball with the IP or or don't you know.
1: Well, the crazy I, thing about cyclical is I think that we're going to go back to wanting like comfort, like sitcoms and procedurals. Yeah. Like I feel like it's right on the verge of like we're just about to turn. Like n- not that that's bad or less than, but it's very very like. You know what, what, you want to eat after you've had a big dinner. <laughs> to...
2: and it's, it's out of fashion. It's out of yeah, fashion. Yeah, totally right now, out of fashion. Right? Yeah. But only for the past like... 10 years or so. That's a long um, time so... in TV world. Like, yeah. Um, but they'll all be based on Marvel characters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we
0: I've been thinking a lot about like. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Sure. No, it's uh, just about. Um... The, the cyclical thing like uh there was a time period where like one in four movies were westerns and westerns were like superhero movies
1: yeah, right Yeah. And
0: it was it was just oversaturated it was just like so much and, and then they started deconstructing them and they started making these weird movies in italy and mm-hmm. what it, it, and they're dubbed over and it's weird and then that like uh, uh reinvented the genre and you sort of seeing that happening with uh i, don't know, I think Logan was awesome and pool uh, is yeah. an example and you know the boys but I, I wonder if if we're in the deconstruction deconstruction period then is that the beginning of the end to that cycle that you're talking about and then people yeah. like let's have original things again i, I was
3: hoping that you were going to pitch like a uh italian spaghetti superhero movie and like <laughs> it all made in italy in all
1: <laughs> dubs. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that like Italian Mandalorian? Like you
2: know. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, and I think I think that is the Mandalorian is one, WandaVision is one. I mean, Jim, I think you're right. you're on the right track that this yeah. is like this is what you get after a genre peaks, right? As you yes. get the deconstruction of it. And so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what um, when the Marvel movies come back, if people will go to them, because it did feel like Endgame was such the end of something, right? And so, yeah. is there a world for those kinds of movies afterwards, uh, or or will they have to change what they are in the way that spy movies did, in the way that westerns mm-hmm. did? And you know, it'll be interesting well, to see.
3: Yeah,
2: I think I uh, d- might. Oh.
1: I was just gonna ask. Do you think it might cycle back to like Superman, like the original Superman with Christopher Reeve, like very, very pure, like entertaining child, like for for four quad, and like you know, go back to the the innocent version of the superheroes and and get away. I hope.
3: I hope so. I don't want that grim, dark Superman who's snapping people's necks. uh, You know, I much rather. I want hope. Give me
0: hope.
2: Yeah. I think <laughs> I think they they need to go away for that to come back. You know, yeah, like we need you. to go for a decade or so without them. Like someone needs DC needs to put the nail in the coffin, <laughs> and then everyone's like, "Who wants to see another superhero movie?" And then you know, in twenty thirty, we get this delightful, hopeful Superman written right. by someone who hasn't been born yet. <laughs>
3: oh God! <laughs> to, to, to what Janet was saying about going back to procedurals and older formats. I felt like the Mandalorian, at least for the first season, mm-hmm. felt like that to me. Where it felt yeah. like like a syndicated, like I know like westerns for maybe our parents, but for me, like Hercules and Xena, you know, we're yeah. like, you know, this week we're interacting with these characters, and then we're moving on. It's that Incredible Hulk, you know, yeah. on to the next town oh, yeah. vibe. And I, I really felt old school in a refreshing way. You mm-hmm. know that we hadn't seen something that episodic with big
0: IP. Yeah.
2: I mean, you know, there's a weird kind of anything goes mentality where you get to have that kind of comforting structure married to like sci fi and superhero stuff has broken through, right? So people understand the language of star Wars and Marvel and whatever. Uh, so you can marry that to, to, uh, Columbo. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't help us get our original, uh, ideas off the ground, but it's certainly an exciting Avenue. Um, while we're on the subject, you know, let's talk about original ideas and like the heartbreak that has gone along (laughs) with pitching or developing them. Um, where are you all at with that stuff? Uh, in the past, you know, few years,
3: back burner. Like, <laughs> I we I had a sci-fi idea. Uh, we sh- we raised money to shoot a presentation. Uh, to, to and um, you know, it's it's just a fight to pe- to to get things out there that are are unique. And I think mm-hmm. any, it, it's not just a pitch anymore. I think that kind of stuff helps being able to show it and say mm-hmm. like, this yeah. is what we're selling. This is what it will look like. This is the tone. This is the feel. I think um, sometimes original stuff needs that extra step, whether it is the comic book adaptation, the presentation that you shoot or the the sizzle reel, you know, I think it takes a lot. It's an extra step now.
1: For sure. Yeah. I've, I've had a lot of heartbreak. <laughs> I had a, um, I had a original with Scott free at TNT, um, and, which was supposed to go just on the verge and It was an original idea and just, you know, raised with wolves. It was around that time and it ended up dying. And then I had a project at HBO Max that was um, another original. It was a horror anthology. I actually had a room for it. Um, Oh. Yeah. had a room, felt like it was just going to go and they loved it. And then pandemic, um, that died. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to go IP. Like, this is it. Like, my heart's... (laughs) Broken. So um I actually did a Netflix, I had a project at Netflix, and um when their executives switched over, it was like, you know what, no go anymore. This they were like, we don't get this IP. This wasn't right to translate. So we'll see. <laughs> no, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. It,
3: it almost feels like you can do the one for them, right? Like yeah. or three for them or four for them, whatever it is. <laughs> uh, Like I've, I've embraced the IP. I've earned the trust as a, as an entity, as a writer, as as someone, you know, people follow now, trust me to do something original. I think maybe Maybe. you have to work towards it. I don't know. know. I'm ready to, I'm, I'm this this is
1: so, this is so bad, but I'm ready to whore myself out. I'm like, (laughs) just make it, whatever you make, like I'll, I'll write it for you. I'll type it up. You know
3: Um, uh, I know, I'm so susceptible when people are like, Hey, remember this thing from your childhood? It? and I'm like yes and like I love this <laughs> trap every time and I'm like I love this thing uh, and then you're, you end up spending hours and hours doing free work developing something that you maybe you don't have the connection you did to when you were a kid but I don't know that's that's the world and I think it will change but for now we'll play the game right mm-hmm.
2: well let's I want to talk about free work for a second and how much work goes into just these pitches um, and Jim, you may be in, in sort of a different camp right now. Cause I think you're, you're under a deal, right?
0: Yeah. Just signed.
2: Um, so it's not exactly. Yeah. It's really <laughs> exciting. Um, it's not exactly free work, but like when you are developing or when you want to bring something, when you want to pitch something like how much of your life does that become in the time before the pitch?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, unfortunately I have to get really, really, really thorough, thorough with character motivation and it, it, I can't just, I, I, I have, there's a lot of background work that goes into making, you know, however long that pitches, it's like, you know, pages and pages and pages that you have to just like, no, like that's just how my brain works. So it, you know, it, it's, it's nice to now <laughs> like basically be, getting paid to do that. But before um, you know, everything you guys were saying, it's just I, you know, uh it's it's uh it's heartbreaking. But I don't think it's it's lost work. I I, for me the worst thing you can do is not engage on I I know people that freeze up and just say, well then I'm just not gonna do anything unless Mm -hmm. I I have it it's a sure thing. And then when is when is anything a sure thing? Right. And you have to you have to. There's so many things that I think we write that never become anything, but you become a better writer because of it. You become you. You learn things. So in that way, it's not lost, and you know, there's. It's not. Um, you're you're getting something out of that free work every time, but you know, we, <laughs> we've got to eat. You know, it's just it's uh, it's it's a weird, um, strange industry that we're in. <laughs> so I, I I feel like pat
3: like passion is very addictive and I think people can wow. tell like yeah. I think we've all probably pitched on things that we didn't we weren't fully in and those things mm-hmm. don't go you know you, you know immediately kind of like well I'm I am half into this versus mm-hmm. the things that like excite you at least get a, a few steps further they don't always go but I feel like they they have a such a better chance cuz
0: I think people can just sense it to me I, I just can, can try it for a second. Like I, I know people that have made very, like they come in with three pitches and there's like the one that they're super hyped up about, like you're saying, and then they pitch the second one that they're like, so, so about. And then the third one, they're like, ah, and then they're like, Oh, the third one. And then they're like, oh, <laughs> shit. and that's the one they have to like, I, that, that happened. That's happened a lot, like in some big shows. So it just, it's, um, I don't know. Just the randomness of it is is a little uh, is, is, is a little uncomfortable. But it's just I don't know. It is. You just <laughs> have to like embrace yeah. the, the chaos. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm some... curious. Were you guys more productive this year,
3: having time to like? Obviously, we all had jobs and stuff. But like <laughs> being at home just to escape reality, were, did you guys develop more or less?
1: I have two kids. <laughs> Two kids (laughs) trying to sit like like a little vulture over their schooling. I would say no, but there's, um, and then I also didn't have an agent, which was good and bad. Yes. Um, So I don't know. Um, But sorry, to go back to what you were saying before, I think that, um, I think you're, Jordan, I agree with you. I think that passion always, like passion for something, you have to write things that you love and you have to put in the, you put in the free work because you love it. And I I don't think I've ever written anything that hasn't gotten me something like either I learned something huge in like yeah. like how 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 to write it or I I like connected with someone that later gave me a job or like I sold it like different things but like I don't think I've ever written anything that I love that just you know was useless mm-hmm. or like you know I regret it right you
2: know? that
3: dies in a void
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah <laughs> yeah and that's a good way to look at it I mean like it may not. It may not go to the air, it may not go to air, right? But you're getting something out of it, even if it's something for your own process. Yeah. You know? um, let's. I don't want to end on on a downer note, but let's. Let me ask you this before I ask something else. Um, how do you deal with the heartbreak? Like you can know in your brain, I'm gonna get something out of this, even if it's not gonna become a show, but how do we all how do we all pick up and move on to the next thing uh,
3: for me it uh, the first pilot i ever wrote and sold, I was like this is it this is my way of <laughs> and, it, and yeah. it didn't it didn't go uh, and i mourned it like a child like i had lost something <laughs> like i didn't know how to move forward i didn't know how to write again and i gave it months and i think the lesson i learned is like have lots of stuff going so that uh-huh. something Distracts you or keeps you busy when the thing that you love died. You still have these other things, these other balls in the air, and I think that was the only lesson I learned. It never gets easier, but at least you have more things to focus on to take your attention Mm -hmm. away from it.
2: Yeah, that's good advice.
1: And the older I get, the more I see that things like you're like, oh my god, it's been resurrected. Like my baby is walking (laughs) again. It does things, but yeah, definitely mourn it. It's so painful, and then and then. Pick pick it up every couple of months and like read it again and be like this is really good <laughs> like, and tell all your friends about it and try to force your friends to read it even though they don't want to. <laughs> I mean, all the things that, that are like irresponsible and and then and then probably have a good drink and I you don't know <laughs> but but I mean, know know that like three years from now five years from now ten years from now it could be resurrected <laughs> there's always that chance nothing is
3: ever uh,
0: dead.
1: Nothing's ever that was bad men, yeah, yeah, exactly. Mass Man was like
0: 10 years he was showing it to people, yeah, became the greatest show ever. Um, do you guys, uh, do you guys find that it gets less painful the more you do it?
1: No, really, no, (laughs) depending on what
0: it is, depending on what it is, I think. Uh, if there's
3: one where you've envisioned your whole life around running that show and it being the thing that's going to cement you and this is your voice and it's finally getting out there, then that kills. If it's like, yeah, I love this thing. I did my, I think I really did a good job here, but it didn't go. I'm okay with it.
0: You know, I'll move on. Maybe. I think think I've realized is what I do is uh, I never fully let go. I think that's how I'm able to like move forward because I, 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 wow, that's how I that's how I'm able to like like have this kind of um how to deal with it. Cause I'm I'm always like, well, I can just take it somewhere else. Like one day it'll get resurrected. Well, I never like quite give up on it mm-hmm. my because I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, something can something will happen with this. Um, a piece of it. And again, uh I, I don't think any writing is wasted at all. You're exploring different. Um Writing therapy so you're exploring different things that you're going through and you grow and and uh I, I, I don't know the worst thing you can do is in action i think you just have to keep moving forward mm-hmm.
2: yeah and i think you know you've all sort of mentioned in various ways in the last you know 45 minutes that like so much is out of our control and so much Sorry. is about timing that like, sure, why shouldn't these things come back? And which is yet another reason to pour yourself into the thing that you're working on. Um, yeah. Let's um, let's wrap up as we always do by asking you what you are watching on television these days, what's getting you excited or inspired? What are you talking about uh, at home or in your room or in your Zoom room? Um, Jim, let's start with you.
0: Um, uh... Finished recently, I May Destroy You, which I think is the best show to come out last year. It was just phenomenal the way that she tells story, I, her approach. I, I, it was a breath of fresh air, it was really good. Um, I'm watching, uh, I watched Queen's Gambit. I thought that was great. Um, uh, we're watching the, is it The Outsider? The one on HBO, the Stephen oh, King. Yeah. Um, we're almost through that, just really good. It's just it's, it's, uh, finding a supernatural in a, in a cop drama, it's, just, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then WandaVision and um, this random anime called uh, Demon Slayer. It's not random, theme, <laughs> but um, really good, it's on Netflix. Great,
2: okay. thanks. Uh, Janet, what are you watching? Um, <laughs> I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like that, I may destroy you, I saw that, but like, I'm watching, um, I'm watching The Great Pottery Throwdown, which is like the oh, show on television ever. And it, it like made me branch out into Blown Away, uh, wait, is it Blown Away? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Netflix, like I'm just watching all sorts of like crazy people doing their pottery
2: and, and making their crafts. Um, um, I, I have one for you then. Uh, okay, have you watched yeah, Grand, Grand Designs?
1: No, but I, I want to. Okay. Grand design. I'm going to write that two down. Two seasons
2: on Netflix, two seasons on, um, Amazon, but it's all, been on for like 20 years.
1: Oh, perfect. Good. Then I And have it's a about analog.
2: architecture and house building. And it's, it's so good. We are, we watch it every night.
1: Okay. I'm, I, I definitely, <laughs> I'm starting that tonight. Cause I was like, now what, <laughs> what about Keith, you know?
2: <laughs> well, he's just got crying mess in the corner. Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: Uh, Jordan, what are you watching? Well, uh, th-
3: the only positive to come out of the pandemic is that my wife and I, who also have two kids, are finally catching up. Uh, so Sex Education oh, is like that's that's su- that sweet spot for me. Oh, I nice. love it. Uh, 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 we watched uh, Haunting of Hill House and yeah. Ted, Ted Lasso. We're, we're so catching great.
1: up. Yeah, oh, these, these are all the best shows. <laughs> Mythic Quest was pretty good too. I saw Ted Lasso and then I was like, oh, Mythic Quest. Who knew? Yeah.
3: I got to jump into
2: that. Yeah. Uh, all good recommendations. Thank you all so much for chatting. Uh, this has been delightful. Uh, please come back, talk to us anytime. Come plug something, don't plug something, whatever you all want. <laughs>
1: thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thank you, Ben.
0: This has been thanks thanks so much fun. It was awesome. Forever. <laughs>
3: Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. <laughs>